The Online Marketing Show. Every day with Joseph Bushnell. Helping you to grow your online business by driving more traffic, improving conversion rates, increasing customer value, and getting things done fast. Listen, take action, make money. Hi, welcome to the Online Marketing Show. This is Joey Bushnell. Today's special guest is top copywriter Laurie Morgan Ferrero. Go to redhotcopy.com to find out more. Hi, Laurie. Thank you for coming on the show. Hey, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. I'm very excited about today's call and what you're going to be sharing with us. So I'm really happy to have you on the show. I'm thrilled. Laurie, could you let us know how you got started as a copywriter? Absolutely. I'll try to keep it a little succinct mm-hmm. as I can tend to ramble on. Sorry, I'll try not to do that. <laughs> I actually sort of stumbled into copywriting as a, an accident in the early uh, 2000s. In 1999, I decided I needed to have my own business um, so I could stay home and take care of my children. And at the time, I was a single mom. Then I ended up getting remarried, and uh, I just wanted to be with him so badly. And then when I got remarried, I, I basically just kind of didn't go back to work. <laughs> my yeah. boss retired, and um, I just announced to my new husband, like, um, I'm going to work from home now, okay? And I didn't have <laughs> any idea how. I just knew you could do it. I didn't know how, yeah. but I, I knew you could do it. And I have a journalism degree so I can write. I've done, you know, lots. I enjoy writing. Um, I have a love-hate relationship with it, to be honest. But I, I have a background in it, and so I started sort of marketing myself as a freelance writer over the internet. I was also learning how to run a business at the same time, and learning how to, um, you know, use the, all the the cyber services. And you know, it's changed dramatically, obviously, over the years. Yeah. But I got a client as a as marketing myself as a writer who wanted me to do marketing copy and I really hadn't studied marketing copy and I didn't really know it existed even though I'd seen it I didn't realize people got paid for it and I I absolutely fell in love with it because it's such an it's much more informal than journalism and it's it's much more conversational and connecting and I also had um a whimsical failed dream to be an actress. I was actually a horrible actress, but uh, so I have this creative side that that fed into the copywriting itself. And so when I discovered it, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the best thing ever. I found my calling. I'm gonna. Um, I didn't even think I was gonna make a ton of money. I just knew I'd be happy. Yeah. And so I'm like, where am I gonna learn how to do this? I want to be the best there is. And remember, this is like. 10 years ago, there was nothing out there. You couldn't find a book. You know, I would have paid anything, but there, I, I, it was much different than it is today. Today, it's easier to find mentors and programs that you can learn, but back then, you, I basically just taught myself by yeah. deconstructing letters, and, and this uh, particular client actually would unbeknownst to me, would split test my copy with gurus who had been working for him as well, and mine was outperforming theirs, and so I'm like, oh, I have a knack for it. So I just, I basically delved into it. I became a student. I found out who's really good, and and, and I found out it was basically kind of just a few, it's like a a close, like a secret society. You had to Mm -hmm. know people to get in, (laughs) and once you get in, then you're connected, and so I I met... um, 
Gary Halbert was my first like copyright copywriting um, crush. Yep. And then from him, I met John Carlton, who continues to be a mentor to me, and I am also on his faculty. And uh, Dan Kennedy, uh, many, many uh, internet marketers that here are, are known in the internet marketing circles. So at any rate, that's how it, it started. Um, and it, you know, if you notice the names, no mm-hmm. women, very few women. Um, are, there's more and more now. Thank goodness. But it's, it was a tough field to break into because it was kind of, you know, it was very uh, masculine. Yeah, so that's how it was at the time. But that's actually changed quite a lot over the past few years, hasn't it, Laurie? Absolutely. And I'm so happy. Now it's much more, um, more even-handed. Not totally, because what they, those guys teach, uh, what they've done for years and they're brilliant at, uh, actually, you can't toss that out the window because they're, you know, you're a, a female or if you're trying to connect to, to a softer market. You have uh-huh. to use those techniques, but you can also soften the copy so it's not so you know, brutal <laughs> that yeah. it appeals to more people. Do you feel that you may have been a bit of a pioneer for women in this industry? Absolutely, I do. I, I'm actually um, have... There are maybe a handful of other women that I would ever recommend right now. And it's getting better. It's changing rapidly. But at the time, yeah, I was it. So, Laurie, there is a good deal of preparation that goes into writing a successful piece of copy. Before we ever even start to think about writing a piece of copy, how do we prepare for it? That is such a a great question. I mean, it sounds so innocent and easy, but it's one of the the biggest... um, stumbling blocks that marketers run into. They don't do enough preparation beforehand before writing their copy. And you've got to do a ton of stuff before you actually put pen to paper or fingers to keyboard. And a lot of those things, um, you you have to, of course, research what your product is. You know, I teach people copywriting now because I had such a difficult time finding people to do it. And one of the biggest problems that they have is like they don't really know what they're selling and it, it, you would think that would be the the basic um, foundation because you have this thing and you want people to buy this thing so what is this thing and how much is it and and do you have a guarantee and um, whatnot and what's interesting is a lot of times as you start writing the copy a lot of that those like details will get filled in. Like, you re- do I want a guarantee or do I not want a guarantee? Do I want it for a year or do I want it for 90 days? Or um, what, you know, all those things start to, to um, expand. But before you start writing, that was your question, before you yeah. start writing, you need to know what it is that you're selling, who it is that you're selling to, and who else is trying to reach those people. So you need to do research on... Um, on other on your competition, a, a really good resource for that is Alexa.com, as it tells you like traffic statistics and uh, all kinds of invaluable information. You can actually compare your website to your competitors' websites and see how you stack up, and then you can study like what they're doing or what they're not doing. That that's one just one little piece of the triad. The other thing is knowing who you are, what your company does. This means going through before you write your copy and re-familiarizing yourself with your your product, use your product mm-hmm. with uh, any press releases you may have, any uh, articles that you have, any research that you've already done, uh, Other look at magazines that 
sell uh, that sell that your your market would read. That's what I'm trying yeah, to say. Sure. Look at those kinds of things. What, what books would they read? Where would they hang out? Um, and that is the third piece: is know who you're writing to and really delve deep into their their personalities and their their habits because mm-hmm. that's the only way you're going to know how to to connect with them. I've heard you use the word target before, Laurie. Is that what you were talking about there on the on that third point? It is. Yes, it is exactly. And target is. Um, it's funny. I thought I, I created the term. Target oh. is target market, right? But to me, target market sounded like this massive group of people. Oh. And when you're writing your copy, you're writing to a single person. And so oh. I wanted to, to drill it down to one person and to sort of have like um, a representative of mm-hmm. my target market. And so I called that a target. And I, I've done it both ways, creating a target completely from just, you know, mishmash of, of uh, the research that I've done. And I've also created a target from an actual client, like mm-hmm. a real person. I didn't have to actually create and make a character. And what you do basically is you, um, let's say if you're creating the character, because that's the first way I did it actually, was I, I literally got a piece of clip art that matched this description of this woman that I created, and mm-hmm. I gave her a name. Her name is Nikki Stanton, and she was, I think, 35 years old. She had a web conferencing business. She had a daughter. She lived in a gated community. How often she worked out and what kinds of um, vacations she would take, uh, how much money she made. I mean, I made it as detailed as possible. And then when I sit down to write my copy, and this this actual target is for my e-zine, the, uh, my weekly, like, you know, newsletter. I think of her when I'm writing it. And so it actually naturally flows as if I'm talking to whoever's reading that copy. So it's, even though lots, I'm hoping, you know, <laughs> millions of people are reading my copy, but um, the truth is only one person is reading it at a time. It's yeah. very relationship-based. Mm-hmm. So that's, why the the term target has actually I'm so excited you're all the way in England and you know my term target it has become uh, a taught thing I hear a lot of people using it as part of the copywriting language so I'm really proud of that and I'll share something else with you that's kind of funny when I was typing target market target market target market I I would always type target because my hand would slip and I would and so I thought, Target, that sounds cool. <laughs> and so it actually sort of came out of um, an accident, like, like much of my copy, <laughs> and uh, has become something that, that's been useful in teaching other people how to write as well. Yeah, absolutely. The idea is we're writing to an individual, aren't we? We're not writing to a market. If they don't connect with it and it feels like you're writing to someone else and not them, then they're going to switch off straight away. So... Moving on then, by this time we've made our target and we've found out who we're writing to in a lot of detail. And we're now at the point where we want to start writing a piece of copy. So how do you get in the mood for writing a piece of copy? Like you said earlier, some people have a bit of a love-hate relationship with it and they can procrastinate and you know all kinds of other things, delay, whatever. How do you gear yourself up to write a piece of copy? 
I have several little tricks because I am quite the procrastinator. And working at home, it's very easy to get distracted. I totally understand that one, yeah. And so I, I have to constantly trick myself. One of my favorite things, though, that a lot of people will... Uh, anybody can actually do right away is to use a timer. And so I kind of, I have like a kitchen timer. I'll time myself in 15 minute increments. And then I, I will write, 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 write. And no checking email, no bathroom trips, no, um, no food. It, it's just writing time. And then I can, I can handle anything for 15 minutes, you know. I can't hold my breath that long, but I can definitely write for 15 minutes. So then I can reward myself by, you know, just either stretching or whatever. Or if I'm on a roll, then I just, I reset the timer. And it just, um, it's very, it, it's gratifying because you get a lot done in a very short period of time. You can literally write, like, 1,500 words if you don't edit at that time. You just write blah, 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 blah. And if you can't think of what to say you just write nonsense you just keep writing you just don't stop and you just keep going that's something i learned from gary halbert and the timer thing i learned um from gene schwartz not him directly but through a a recording that i had heard from him and it, it works like gangbusters it's fantastic so that's one thing i do um other things i do um i like having um, a nice smelling candle, actually. <laughs> oh, yeah. I like have you know, like a pretty environment. Uh, not, not that my office is pretty. I, I, if it's too neat, it's like unsettling. I have to have some creative, like, um, just a little chaos, creative chaos. But I do like having the scent, the candle, and um, that'll that'll get me going too. Sometimes, if I really, really don't want to sit down. Um, and write, I will either, I'll do one of two things. I'll either walk my dogs or, or dance around, do some kind of movement, or I'll literally take a nap. And when I take a nap, I'm actually, my husband would get so angry. He's like, why are you wasting your time sleeping? I'm like, I'm, I'm working. You don't understand. But you really do come back with a new, refreshed look, especially if you get stuck on something, when you get away from it and come back. So then once you're, once you're back, then you have to set the timer again and, and get going. Cool. Very cool techniques to uh, get pumped up and ready to write. So now we are ready to write. Do you have a process or technique for picking your best headline? Well, yeah, I kind of do, actually. One of I will actually write maybe 100 headlines. Mm-hmm. To, and I'll just, they get better as you keep going. And, and this... I like to, well, you know what, I'll shuffle it around. Sometimes I'll write it out by hand, and sometimes I'll put it in the word processor and, and type it. It just depends on what my deadline is. But they, I'll, I'll just, I'll look at other headlines. Uh, I'll read magazine headlines. Um, let me tell you, magazines, they spend a lot of money and a lot of time field testing their copy and making sure that it gets attention. And even though it's usually much shorter than what we can do on the Internet. I don't think that's a bad thing. And They use a lot of uh, exciting language that, that gets people's attention. If you look at magazines in the grocery store, every month they basically kind of recycle the same headlines. I yeah. remember buying one about diet. It's like, no, this is really the diet that is different than anything you've ever done before that works. And it was basically eat less and exercise more. But the headline itself really grabbed me. So at any rate, just like don't short shift yourself on writing out the headlines or, or just keep 
you know, going, 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 just sitting down and, and getting them out of your head. And another thing I do, this is a little bit of a cheat, but there's a program that's on my website, actually, at redhotcopy.com. There are other places that have it, too, but it's, it's called Red Hot Headline Creator. And you basically, it asks you four questions about your business, and then you mm-hmm. push a button, and it generates, like, dozens of headlines. That's awesome. Yeah, it's very cool, actually. I, if I get stuck, it's, they, they, all, they don't all sound good. Sometimes they're like, what? what? It's got its limits, but it, it's a template for getting you rolling. And mm-hmm. some of them are, are absolutely brilliant, and I, I use that a lot. Is that a free resource? No, it isn't. It's $47, I believe, U.S. But well worth it. Well worth it, absolutely. And I, most people I know who are marketers have this program because it's yeah. just, you know, it's just a no-brainer. And I'll tell you something else, Joe. I don't do headlines first anymore. I used to. It gets a little, <laughs> the right word, it, intimidating is the right word. It gets mm-hmm. intimidating when you put all this pressure on yourself to get a headline out and then mm-hmm. to match the copy to it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it, people just get paralyzed and they don't end up writing their copy and then they procrastinate mm-hmm. uh, and it doesn't get out there. So I... While I used to do that, now it's the last thing I do. It's sort of like the cherry on top. So mm-hmm. what I'll do to begin with, of course, is the research we talked about. And then I will, I'll go through and break down the features and benefits of what I'm selling or if I'm writing for somebody else what they're selling. Mm-hmm. And then I will start making bullets from the features and benefits. I also think of the frequently asked questions like what's in my target's head? What is she thinking about that I'm not there to answer and mm-hmm. answer those and just this is sort of mechanical. It's mm-hmm. this isn't copy yet. It's just starting to layer it, and you know, like brick by brick, and getting that out. And then I'll look at what is the product itself, and that would be, you know, what is my offer, what is my guarantee, and, and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. All the, the what are they getting for their money, and then I'll start writing headlines and and um, the opening and the hook, and a lot of that comes. It's fed from the bullets and from the, the features and benefits. Mm-hmm. So I found that it's much easier to sort of launch into the rest of the copy when mm-hmm. you don't start with the headline first. So that's just what I've found. Then it's something that matches and fits in the best with the copy that you've already written. Exactly. It's sort yeah. of like buying a suit that, to fit a tie rather than the reverse. With the headline, you talked about features and benefits. Is it generally your strongest benefit that you put into the headline or is it something that piques curiosity? What would you say is the main thing about a headline that makes it successful? You know, that's, that is, you're going to love this answer. It totally yeah. depends. And yeah. there are so many different devices. This is another thing I love about copy. There, you can um, provoke curiosity so they want to read more. You can uh, identify who it is that you're talking to so they know, okay, this is for me. I'm a mom, so this, I, I should look deeper into this. You can um, focus on benefits, obviously, or maybe not obviously, but let me tell you, <laughs> benefits are what drives the copy. That's definitely um, a lot of times when I like, go through and help people with their copy or I, you know, just give, I actually have uh, copywriting makeovers and things on YouTube. One of the biggest problems is that the copy is not benefit-oriented to the reader, and it's hard to look at that yourself sometimes when you're writing your own copy, um, but that's really important. So if that's in the headline, excellent. It's all the better. 
This next question, Laurie, I've heard different answers to this, so I'd be interested to see what your opinion is. When we're writing a piece of copy, should we focus on emotion, logic, or a bit of both? What's your opinion on that? That's interesting. Um, I believe that you should focus on the emotion of it. And one of my favorite quotes is from Mark Twain. He said that um, there are two reasons a man buys anything. The reason he tells his wife and the real reason. And he, the real reason, of course, is what his emotional state is. And yeah, we, sure. we do, yeah, we actually, we do react emotionally. Now, of course, mm-hmm. you, you want to address what it is that they're getting. But if you can hit them emotionally and um, stress the, the benefit to them of, of owning this product or, or buying this service, mm-hmm. then you got them. And they justify it with logic in their heads later on, and that's what they go and tell their wife. (laughs) You got it. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It is a combination, truly. It is. But you've got to grab their attention with the emotional um, buy-in. And that is what tips the reader over the edge to actually make the purchase. Exactly. And it's also, this is, it comes back to the connection of the relationship, you know, the one-to-one connection of the copy. And if Mm -hmm. you have that connection with your reader with your prospect, then they're actually going to feel more emotion. And, you know, you asked another, you asked earlier, like uh, something about writing the copy. And I just thought of this and something I don't really share in many interviews because I frankly don't think about it. But when you are writing copy and you are actually in an emotional state, whatever it is that you want them to feel, that's going to come through in your copy. Like if you're Um. sad and it's not, that's the kind of copy you're going to write. If you're upbeat, yeah. that's going to come through. And, and there are times that, you know, you, you want to tap into different emotions. Like, for instance, mm-hmm. I got an email today about some poor stray dog that was, uh, she was abandoned while she was in labor. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I donated money, like, right away. <laughs> it totally uh-huh. tugged on my heartstrings. There are states of, you know, if you want to sell something you just you have to look at what your market's demanding absolutely so if you actually feel those emotions yourself when you're writing that will come across in your copy one thing you mentioned earlier about women getting into copywriting i did think to myself that often women are probably better at empathizing than men sometimes are so in a way women may be better suited to copywriting than men i I know that's very much a generalization but in my opinion it is often true I actually yeah. I absolutely agree, and um, yeah. I I think a lot of men would agree as well. A lot of the the yeah. great copywriters who are alive today, I think they would agree as well. And, yeah. and when I look at their copy, it it is it's just got a a little shift of mm-hmm. a little bit more, you know, less less empathy. That's a really great way to put it. And I remember reading copy where they the the copywriter would would shame you into why are you not buying my product? And I was like, wow, does that work? Because yeah. it was a really big um, marketer as well. And I was thinking, wow, it must work because he tests stuff a lot and he yeah. knows what he's doing, but I'm sure not interested in yeah. being yelled at. <laughs> yeah, when there's that kind of pressure, it can make people resist and back off a bit, can't it? It can. And I actually think that that has um, become more of an emerging thing that people don't react as as well as they used to to the kind of um, wagging your finger and going, you need my product. And now that, like you said, just, there's so many choices. We don't have to feel as if that's the only one. So we you know, pop back off their page and yeah. find something else that works. 
Laurie, the next question I have is about objections. Um, in any selling process, the potential buyer asks themselves, why shouldn't I buy this? And they come up with reasons. So how can we anticipate what those objections might be? And whereabouts in our copy are we dealing with these objections? Um, that's an excellent question. And objections, are they're, like I mentioned, people are going to have them and you're not there to um, overcome them. So you're right to anticipate them. And my feeling is the more you're connected with your target mm-hmm. and their sort of inner emotional life and their, what else is, are they juggling in their lives? What other mm-hmm. resources do they, do they need to make a decision? Like, for instance, I, I actually have started studying much more about marketing to women. Not that, you know, it, that the same things don't apply to men, but a lot of times, like, for example, a woman won't make a decision because she's, you know, has to, to, uh, talk it over with her spouse. You know, maybe it is a, a bigger, uh, a bigger ticket item, or maybe, mm-hmm. you know, this, this month her kid need braces, and so she's going to mm-hmm. put it off for another month. So, um, overcoming those kinds of objections, you have, the more connected you are to what she, really needs. And this is, this happens at the beginning of the process. Remember I said that the research of your target and your company and your competition. And then mm-hmm. the next step is features and benefits and the frequently asked questions. So that's, you could literally take from creating your target or designing your target to having sort of um, a conversation with her or him yeah. and, and asking what um, is in his or her head. You could literally do surveys. Uh, SurveyMonkey.com is free, and it's really amazing. People love to give their opinion. Also, of course, on Facebook and Twitter, you can do kind of informal surveys and ask people literally what they they think, what would Mm -hmm. stop them from from purchasing things. The Internet is so amazing now. All this research is really at your fingertips. You just mm-hmm. you ask people what they're thinking, and and then uh, you can work it in. And yeah. you also ask where does it go in. You can actually take each objection and write a copy to that mm-hmm. to overcome it. Like let's say um, I don't have time to learn how to write copy. Well, yes, you do have time to learn how to write copy. You don't have time to mm-hmm. not learn how to write copy. It's something that you're going to be using for the rest of your business life and your business life is going to change and grow. This is something that you're losing money every time you are not having the skill. Mm-hmm. And so that sort of thing. So that's, sure. that's one way to, to fold it into the copy. And another thing is to literally have a section of frequently mm-hmm. asked questions so people can scroll through and find out what they are. Good idea to have a specific section for frequently asked questions. Exactly. And you can yeah. do both. You really, you don't have to, um, to limit yourself. You could do both. And I, you know what I've seen done lately that I really like is uh, having frequently asked videos. You can have, um, I don't recommend, this is my personal pet peeve, um, videos without copy because sometimes mm-hmm. people are not in the position to watch a video. So I think you should have the answer as well. But sometimes people prefer to listen to a video. So you could have... Mm-hmm. Uh, they could click on a video depending on, you know, how quickly it launches. You don't want to dis- keep them uh, distracted. <laughs> so anyway, that's another way you could do it. I think you, actually having a list of the questions and also folding them into the copy is the best way to go. 
how do you construct a good offer and a close? A good close? Well, it's funny. When I was in journalism school, we learned to just, when you're done writing the article, you just stop. And so um, a lot of times I am rather... Uh, light on my clothes because I, I'm hoping that everything has been covered in the copy. And my sure. clothes is just sort of tying all the loose ends up, just sort of reminding them you really don't want to wait to take action. This is something you need now. And uh, whatever my push is to, you know, whether it's a limited time offer, limited seating, or uh, the price is going to go up, or you're losing money, and how, however, whatever is appropriate. Mm-hmm. So I'll just, I will have covered that already in the copy, but in the close, I, right before I sign off, I'll put it in again. And then I also kind of bolster that with PSs, because the PS is actually a very highly read piece of copy, which is, was bizarre for me to find out. But it's, um, the headline is, of course, the most highly read. And then yeah. the next is actually um, captions, photo captions. And then the next is, the PS. So you want to make sure that your PS is kind of throw in some neat, something uh-huh. that, you, that didn't fold into your copy itself. Yeah. You can have at it again in the PS. And I wouldn't personally have more than like three PSs because mm-hmm. if you start having, if they start going on and on. It starts getting a little hypey and the prospect may start distrusting you. And yeah. that's one of the, the big uh, fears. I, I I had about you know writing sort of the, the more mm-hmm. traditional kinds of copy is like that it if it's too too in your face and too out there that it breeds mistrust and that's yeah. really not what you want especially online. So why do you think that the PS is such a well-read part of the copy? Is it because people are scanning the page and they're going down to the bottom and seeing what the end of it is, what the price is? Is that what's going on there? Yeah, that's my guess. Um, and it also, it's from mailed letters, from, you know, the, the online sales letters is just sort of a, a, a version of the mailed print sales letter, and that's what they used to do as well. People would scan, who's it from, and what do they say at the bottom? And, yeah. and so, of course, you know usually who it's from online because you've gotten there somehow. And I think that you got it right exactly, that people are just... They're just kind of scanning, pulling up the points that they think are most mm-hmm. important and or that get their attention. And the PS is also usually um, a fairly short piece of copy, so it's easier to read, quicker to read, especially mm-hmm. nowadays when we have uh, more and more to look at and less and less time to look at it. So, And okay. I also want to mention, too, because you yeah. talked about scanning, that your formatting is also very important because people right. will scan. So if you have just, you don't have any bolded, um, words or italicized or, uh, you know, how, if you don't have white space, then it's going to be a real hard read. We also read 25% slower online than we read uh-huh. offline. So you want to make it easy for them and break up your copy, like small, small paragraphs, short mm-hmm. sentences, read it out loud because it's going to sound different than when you read it, it, we actually read in our heads. And so if you mm-hmm. read it out loud, it's going to be even more connecting because it's going to sound the way you talk. It's going to be more conversational. You mentioned that we read 25% slower. Is that because of the light on the computer screen or because we're scrolling? Is there any 
particular reason why we read slower? It, it is the light of the computer that glow, and also uh-huh. because we're in a fixed position. Even mm-hmm. if you have a laptop, you're generally in, um, you have it on a desk or something that mm-hmm. it's not like a book where you can move it to where it's comfortable. But most of it is the glow of the screen. And, the, cool. you know, the characters kind of shimmer a little bit. Yeah, I know how I feel when I've been working all day and then I come offline and my eyes are all blurry and I can't see anything. That's true. Well, Laurie, thank you so much for all the fantastic information that you've given us today. Where can we go to find out more about you and get more of your great information? Um, I would. Thanks for asking. I would actually... Um, have people go to my site at redhotcopy.com, and it's uh, it's actually an ever-changing site. Right now, it's using a little bit uh, more of a, a splash page where it looks as though you have to opt in to get into the site, but you don't. You can scroll all the way down to the bottom and get into There's articles there, and my blog is there. Um, but I would really recommend that you sign up for my e-zine. It's, that's free, and it comes every week, and then you can follow what it is that I'm doing, and I always have um, informative articles in there. So mm-hmm. that's that's a good place to start. And I also want to just throw out my, as a final word of advice that I really yeah. do believe that people should learn to write their own copy because nobody mm-hmm. really sounds like you, and nobody cares about your business as much as you do. And yeah. copywriters are expensive. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Good copywriters are not cheap. So if you're on a budget, you need to learn how to do it yourself. Exactly. And also the other thing about learning it yourself is that how do you know if you hire somebody if they wrote anything any good yeah. unless you recognize it? So it's it's really, if you're in business, this is a skill you need. Yeah, good point. Laurie, your easing is uh, fantastic. I'm a fan of it. Whereabouts on your site can we sign up for that? For the easing, it's right on the first page on the right-hand side. You'll see like a little video of me and then okay. on the right next to it, it asks for your information and all I need is your name and email and yeah. And you're in. And you can unsubscribe any time, but you won't want to. I, I Actually, I have to say I'm really proud of my e-zine. I, I get so many compliments that it's actually one of the few that people continue to read, even yeah. though a lot of people are unsubscribing from other marketers. So, yay. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Definitely well worth signing up to. And um, on that note, we'll bring this to a close. Thank you to everyone for tuning in. And Laurie, thank you once again for being on the show. Absolutely. It was my pleasure. The Online Marketing Show, every day with Joseph Bushnell, helping you to grow your online business by driving more traffic, improving conversion rates, increasing customer value, and getting things done fast. Listen, take action, make money.